0: Welcome to another episode of Cannabis Health Radio. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Elland. Just before we get to our guest, if you'd like to help us out here at Cannabis Health Radio and you like what we're doing, you can help us out. Go to our webpage and go to the donate portion of our webpage and make a donation, either a monthly donation or a one-time donation to help us out. And for those who have done so thus far, we say thank you. And now to our guest. Our guest today served in the U.S. Marine Corps for five years before receiving an honorable discharge. He left the Marine Corps with 20 medical issues and is here to tell us how cannabis has made remarkable changes to his health. And joining us from North Carolina is Matthew Doula. Matthew, thanks very much for doing this. We greatly appreciate it.
1: No, absolutely. Thank you for having me on.
0: Now, to get into the Marine Corps, you have to be physically fit and healthy correct?
1: Generally speaking, yes. Um, at the time that I went in, the war in Afghanistan was kicking off again for the second time in the um, American history, right? The general consensus is that you need to be of sound mind and body.
0: Sound mind and body. When you went in, were you of sound body?
1: I was of sound body. I had a tumor removed in 2000. 2000- and let's see, what year was it now? Eight. I had a tumor removed in my neck in 2008, so I had to get a separate medical waiver and clearance. But I was cleared to go into the Marine Corps, and they did take me. So,
0: Now, tell us what your health was like when you left the Marine Corps after five years.
1: Completely different. Um, night and day. And the reason is a couple – it's – It's interesting. So when you go into the Marine Corps, you have a little bit of expectation. And the first one is is that you're going to fight. Nobody joins the Marine Corps to sit around behind a desk. You join the Marine Corps because you want to be the best and you want to go into the fight. I went in as an infantry mortarman. And right off the bat, within four months of being in the fleet, we deployed to Afghanistan. While we were there... um, We were embedded deep into Helmand Province in Sangin. It was with 3-5. We did the push through Sangin in 2010. We lost 25 Marines and about 180 wounded in action. And when we got back, there was a little bit of downtime. Then we geared right back up and went on the 15th Mew. And while we were out there, we had some operations that occurred. And then we came back, and really that's when... I was in year four when we got back, and that's when everything hits you. It's so fast-paced in the Marine Corps that your body doesn't even know what's going on until six months to a year after an event occurs.
0: So your body doesn't have time to adapt because of the continuous stress? Is that
1: it? That's definitely a huge part of it. When you deploy to high-tempo environments and you're hooking and jabbing constantly, the only thing that you care about is ensuring this mission is successful and the people around you come home with you. You don't care about your body. The conditions that you're living in are so subpar, the average American wouldn't even think about stepping toe into that. And you, the food, you know, you're, you're lacking nutrition, you're lacking hydration, you're constantly operating off of two to four hours of sleep, and you're heavily caffeinated, you're running stimulants and that's just the way it goes so when you come back the only thing you care about is oh hey i made it this is cool now i'm gonna have fun and enjoy my family and my time and hopefully whatever deployment money you have left and you don't care about your health you don't really care about all these things and they catch up with you you continuously run at such a high tempo and you do it over and over and over and over again things break that's just human nature
0: so, Matthew, tell us what happened to you in year four.
1: So, year four, I knew that I wasn't deploying again. I tried to verb out, which is the Marine Corps' way of letting you go to school early and closing out your contract. Um, it was an uphill fight. The Marine Corps didn't want to let anyone go from our unit because of mission-critical stuff. But that year, everything started to change physiologically within me. I started experiencing um, waking up in the middle of the night with tachycardia, just crazy type of um, body issues, you know, tachycardia, anxiety, extreme anxiety, a little bit of depression. Um, I was having not major heart issues, but I would say that it was starting to become an issue. When you're running with a uh, blood pressure of 150, over 100 constantly, even when you're sleeping and your heart, when you wake up is at hundred beats per minute, things aren't going in the right direction. Um, and again, you're heavily stimulated. So you're doing caffeine, you're doing nicotine, you're doing no sleep, alcohol is in the mix. Basically treated like, treated my body like a garbage can. And that's the point where my body said, look, if you continue down this path, We're going to start breaking things and shutting things down. And um, that's when I realized that, wow, I get out in a year and I'm about to go back to civilian life. And if I don't do something to stop this process or reverse it now, I'm going to enter the civilian workforce completely jacked up. And getting out at 24 years old, you don't want to be on five or six prescription medications for the rest of your life. I didn't go into the Marine Corps like that, so I had some sort of sense to understand that maybe I shouldn't leave it like that. And I spent that last year of my five identifying solutions to pull me off these prescription medications.
0: How many prescription medications were you on at the time?
1: Definitely five, and sometimes it would yo-yo up or down, depending upon a interaction with another drug or a unforeseen kind of like... Um, side effect, right? Like if you're on an anti-anxiety and a uh, high blood pressure medication like a beta blocker, you can have anxiety that's driven just from that because you're trying to calm the mind and the body's trying to calm down and that can drive sometimes this kind of feeling that you're going to die because your your body's artificially slowing down. Um So there was a lot of times where I either wouldn't take the medicine or I just would take some of it, or if I would take all of it, it's because I was going through a really bad week, whatever the case was. And that kind of went on until I EASed out of the Marine Corps at year five. Matthew, sorry to interrupt here, but what kind of medication were you on? uh, Beta blockers, anti-anxiety, erectile dysfunction, GERD, Um, I was on, uh, what else was there? There was um, another high blood pressure medication as well as a uh, prescription acid reflux, right? Mm. So there was like a prescription for the GERD, prescription for acid reflux, and all those other things. And, you know, that's kind of depressing in and of itself. You're 24 years old, and you're on an erectile dysfunction medicine,
0: were your symptoms and your issues unusual for soldiers, other soldiers?
1: They were not unusual at all. In fact, a lot of people were struggling with the same issues. They just didn't turn to the medical providers and instead turn to self-help, right? And the majority of the time, self-help is alcohol or violence or um, nicotine, right? Right even if you did get prescribed something again these medications aren't you know this isn't like taking vitamin C when you're on an anti-anxiety that the load the load up phase on that is horrible and i'm sure y'all have seen the studies that say like statistically you're more likely to kill yourself in the first 2 weeks of getting on something like Zoloft because you just you really feel like you want to die um so it's 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 not a good combination. And even if you do go and get these medications, because you're having the same kind of issues, you're still probably using alcohol. So now you're drinking on an anti-anxiety medication, and it's just a very terrible situation.
0: Matthew, would soldiers go into battle on these medications?
1: Um, I personally did not see... Medication being used or issued in to the the space, the battle space like this. Now, there are people who have medications from maybe prior issues that would have them out there. But prescription medications in the battle space are a extremely difficult logistical requirement. Because prescription medications have a heat index, right? You can't have it too hot, too cold. They have to stay in this Goldilocks zone. And to keep medicine like that on stock is extremely hard.
0: Tell us how you came about using cannabis and what it did for you.
1: Absolutely. So how this whole transition um, occurred was when I was in California where I was stationed, I had the unique opportunity to walk down Venice Beach. And out there, there is um, cannabis medical recommendations from doctors. And I was able to go in there, and right off the bat, they pegged me. They were like, oh, you're a Marine. Like, There's no way we're issuing you THC. And I was like, that's fine. I don't really want that. Obviously, I can't take it. I'll pop on a piss test, and then I'll get kicked out and kind of ruin my life, right? What I want to know is the knowledge. Teach me everything that you can, so when I do get out, I can figure out a solution to get off this stuff. And that's where they kind of were like, okay, cool. You're a little bit more in depth with this than most people. So they taught me about the other cannabinoids, and that led to a self-discovery that Wow, cool! I can be an upstanding member of society and utilize cannabis and never get the cognitive or psychoactive effects, and still help the body medicate. Yeah, let's. We, we've got to try this. It's either th- this or the alternative to be on these pills forever. Um, and in moments of desperation, especially medical desperation, you don't care, right? Mm-hmm. The, when you weigh the options, you're like, "We got to do this." So I did, and within six months of me EASing from the Marine Corps and having started a really uh, intense CBD regiment, I was able to get off all of my medications. Good for you. Yeah. Good for you. And I, interesting and, and commendable that you had the foresight to look into this before you got out and could see the road that you were about to go down. Yeah, most people don't get that opportunity. I was able to learn from other experiences because... I had a five-year contract. The majority of the people I was in the Marine Corps with in my peer group had a four. So they got out a whole year earlier than me, and within six months of them getting out, I could identify and see the issues because you're getting phone calls. You're unfortunately reading headlines like, you know, this person killed himself because of this issue or this person's PTSD um, created this issue, you know. There's a there's a wonderful support group for veterans, no matter what branch you're in, and I like to call it the mafia. Right? Once you're in it, you're in it for life, so you always stay connected. But it allowed somebody like me, who is still on the inside, to see that and go, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't want that to be me.
0: When you say you underwent an intense program of, of CBD. Tell us, tell us about that. Explain what you did.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So getting out of the Marine Corps, the prescription medication program goes from active duty naval medicine to the Veterans Administration medicine system. And until you get into the VA system, which could be years, your prescription medication lasts from the last thing that they give you while you're active duty. So you have like 90-day supply of medicine, and then it's that's it. Like, good luck. Here's your 90-day supply of six different mega pharmaceuticals. When they run out, that sucks to be you. Hopefully you get into the VA medical system, and they'll take over, right? So what I did was after identifying the research behind cannabinoids, especially CBD, I was able to pull dosing guidelines um, from, interestingly, the realm of caring out of Denver, Colorado. They work with John Hopkins University and provide people like me uh, to be a participant in uh, cannabinoid research studies as well as issue CBD guidelines. At the time, I didn't know this, but now knowing that the CBD is in the supplement industry in America, so it's not regulated by the FDA, which means that anybody who provides CBD can't give a dosing guideline, um, which is really hard as a person or a patient to navigate. You, you buy something and you don't know how much to take. I was able to get education on where to find those dosing guidelines, and I just I, I measured it out at the highest I could find, right, the highest dosing guideline. I just pretended I was a cancer patient. And what would a cancer patient do, right? Mm-hmm. Somebody who has, you know, um, terminally ill, stage four, six months to live prognosis, do. And that was roughly anywhere between 200 to 600 milligrams of CBD a day. Um, and you just go from there. And what I did was I slowly started cutting my meds out of, of my system by halving the doses every week. So like Zoloft, an anxiety medication, you, you can't just go cold turkey on that. Your your body's addicted to that because it's an SSRI. Your brain will literally freak out if you don't take your pills. So I just half the dose every every week. And I was able to smoothly get off that. CBD picked up, recreated homeostasis within the body. I allowed my mind to heal with various activities like meditating, yoga, just taking 10 minutes out of my day to breathe. Most people don't understand that we don't use our lungs to the full capacity. We're not pumping enough oxygen in our brains. We sit at a desk. We have bad posture. We take 10 minutes to allow our uh, you know cells to get super saturated with oxygen. That changes the game for the whole day. So,
0: and, of course, when you're in battle, your system is revved up, isn't it? It's, it's always it's, 100%. 100% con- constantly.
1: Absolutely. There's, uh, there's In the Marine Corps, there's something called the Cooper's Color Code. And it pretty much is an illustrative diagram via different colors on uh, what the stress level is. And, um, you know, when people say seeing black, right, that's the, sh- the highest stress level you can have. And I would say that you're probably in the highest stress category a month before you deploy all the way to about, Two days after you get back, just because you have anxiety leading up to it, while you're there, it never goes away, ever. Even when you sleep, your body is still at 100%. And then when you come back, there's no real decompression time. You go straight from the battle space, two days later, to being home with your loved ones. And where is the time for you to process out what just happened. It doesn't exist.
0: Wow! No, it seems like there should almost be a period, maybe even two weeks, where you go somewhere and just relax.
1: Relax and, and kind of do the whole debrief thing.
0: Debrief, and there, is, there will be medical the, a medical community there to help you out, and just so you come back to your normal body and mind, particularly your mind. I-
1: Absolutely. I think in, in, in um, a full spectrum program, you know, mind, body and soul, where they build it into the deployment on the back end would be phenomenal. Um, you know, two weeks R&R. Right. When you get back, you you're contained within the unit so that it can identify problems as they pop up. Right. Whether it's mentally or medically or, you know, whatever the case is. And it's also a decompression time. A lot of people are going to think that that would suck, but we have to think past the first deployment. We have to think past the first 4 years. If you're a career military person, you take you you need to take care of your body. Even, you know, whatever your regular day job is, you still need these things, but in an environment where you've been shot at for 8 months straight, you absolutely need two weeks of almost um, R&R and observation before you reintegrate back into the real world.
0: Yeah, I can see that uh, when those of us in the real world, if we continue working day after day after day, you get burned out, and the stress level increases, the anxiety level increases, and you think, God, I just don't want to do this anymore, and you're tired. But you go through that as a Marine. In Afghanistan, you've gone through that day after day after day, week after week after week, month after month. And after a while, I can see your body just saying, hey, stop. I need a rest. It's got to take its toll. Absolutely got to take oh, yeah. its toll.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, they've done some pretty interesting studies and on, on this particular issue, obviously because at the end of the day, it comes down to money. The VA, our government, wants to know how much money it costs – to keep somebody like me healthy enough to continue the fight, and then how much I'm going to cost the government once I do my four and get out? Because, you know, we're humans. We're not we're not inanimate objects. We go into these places and do these things. We have to come back, and you got to take care of us, especially if you broke us, right? So, once you know, one of the things that they've identified is that like four years in the Marine Corps is like ten years in the civilian world, and that's pretty impactful if you think about it um you just tear up everything your your entire body just gets destroyed
0: matthew when you started taking the cbd and you started weaning yourself off the pharmaceuticals uh every other week by half dosing how long did it take you to get off the pharmaceuticals altogether
1: i was in a pretty um rushed space because I was run out of pharmaceuticals anyways. My 90-day supply was not going to last 90 days. Um, I think I only had like 30 days left of my 90-day supply. And I was able to stretch that 30 to 60 because of the weaning process. So I pretty much went cold turkey from everything except for my acid reflux medic- medicine, which is now OTC, within 60 days. 60 days. And how did you feel? Honestly... I felt like I did before I went in the Marine Corps. Um, I was still utilizing alcohol to a majority, but I could tell that cannabis was getting in the way of that interaction as well. And I no longer needed to lean on anything as a crutch because my body was such that it was in balance again. And after the 60 day mark, There's this period where you feel like you mentally have to use the pharmaceuticals because that's what you're told, and you know what that feels like. After about 90 days, when my body started to kind of almost reject like drinking a lot to excess, um, I started feeling great, and my energy came back. My degenerative arthritis in my spine and my lower spine – When I'm on cannabis, there is no pain. No pain in my back, no pain in my knees, no pain in my shoulders. All the things that I spent five years blowing out, absolutely perfect. It feels like it did when I was 16. When I don't... Sorry, uh, when you... uh, Or do you use cannabis on a daily basis, and if so, in what form? Absolutely. I use it every single day, Um, and I, I use... The currently non psychoactive components, uh, and the reason is is because of the positions I hold and the forward face that I have to be for my company, and in the state that I'm in, North Carolina, it's not legal. Right. But I can tell you that I do utilize CBD every single day, as well as some of the other non um, psychoactive. psychoactive. Yep, non psychoactives. So, like such uh, as CBD, uh, CBG, CBD, CBG, yeah. CBN. Uh, No, not CBN. CBC? Um, uh, Mostly CBD and CBG right now. CBN is kind of on this gray area because of the way it's formed from THC. Right, right, right. So it's a little bit of, I don't even think we are allowed to have it in the state of North Carolina. Okay. And it'd be legal. You don't want to be inviting trouble, particularly in North Carolina. We don't want to be inviting trouble. And we also want to show a face that presents cannabis in a way that everyone can be on board with.
0: Matthew, based on your success and what you've done, do you talk still talk to other soldiers about what you've done and how CBD may help them?
1: Absolutely. Um, we don't really get a lot of face time with a lot of other vets right now because there's still this stigma in North Carolina and in the South of uh, you know of America, the Southern states. Because a, we're not legal. B, it's the Bible Belt. C. The war on drugs for the last 20, 30, 40 years has definitely took its toll here. So the veteran population is completely on board with it publicly, but at the same time, it's still kind of hush-hush in North Carolina because they don't want to come out and be the one to start the conversation. I'll talk to anybody who wants to listen, though.
0: When you got out of the U.S. Marine Corps, did you suffer from PTSD?
1: Um. No. I I can firmly looking back at it now say I didn't suffer from PTSD. What I did suffer from though is something called PTS, right? So PTSD is the is the disorder caused by post-traumatic stress. PTS is just the stressors from that post-traumatic mm-hmm. incident. And there's a huge difference. A disorder disrupts your life. Mm-hmm. I I guarantee every single body who comes out of a combat theater has PTS. It's that when it becomes a disorder, do we actually get the diagnosis? But I think we need to revamp and reform the system to identify and address PTS because it does have its own issues. It's just not as far on the spectrum as PTSD.
0: Now, when you went into the Marine Corps, what was your attitude toward marijuana?
1: Uh, When I went into the Marine Corps, I wasn't for or against it. Um, I actually went into the Marine Corps on a drug waiver for marijuana. So I openly admitted to the Marine Corps that I had smoked and they still let me in uh, under a waiverable condition, of course. Um, But at the same time, This was 2005 to 2009 when I was in high school and experimenting with it or even thinking about it, and there was no knowledge. You get dirt, weed, right, from whoever's selling it, and it doesn't really get you high because it's either too dry, the THC's gone, whatever the case is. So I didn't look negatively upon it. I just, at the time, didn't have the education to look positively on it.
0: Yeah, you were just a kid uh, learning about life. And that's what we all Absolutely. do. I mean, we all, uh, drink as, I shouldn't say we all, but, uh, I'll, I'll include myself. Ian, in that. put that bottle down, would you?
1: <laughs> yeah, we, <laughs>
0: yeah, uh, I mean, I can recall, uh, drinking, uh, at the age of, uh, 15 and 16 and you go out and you drink and you see how much you can drink before you get drunk and before you throw up. Yeah. And, uh, it's, wee. Yeah. It's, oui. yeah, it's uh, sounds exciting. <laughs> I mean, it was exciting then, but, uh, you think of it now. My yeah. God, it's horrible. But that's right. Life. That's and that's exactly what you did with marijuana. Right?
1: Absolutely, and I, I believe that it is the you know quintessential upper middle class story of somebody who experiments with marijuana in their you know formidable years, especially high school. Um, my dad was Navy for 30 years. My mom was Navy for nine. My brother is in the air force. He just deployed two days ago to Afghanistan. My other brother was in the army and I was in the Marine Corps. So we grew up in this culture. Um, and it was kind of a little bit way, I guess, to rebel.
0: When your parents were in the military and your brother was deployed a couple of days ago, does your brother, is your brother aware of what, may happen to him psychologically and physically when he's there?
1: Absolutely. He saw me, and he saw in what condition I was returned, and um, he's had a better opportunity to prepare for that. Luckily, he's in the Air Force, so he's not going to be hooking and jabbing. Um, That doesn't mean he won't be in harm's way, though. He just has a better opportunity to stay away from some of the higher-end stressors.
0: What is your attitude or what is your opinion of the way veterans seemingly are ignored once they come back from deployment and once they're out of the military?
1: Well, I think that during times of war, especially um, positive public opinion wars, when you come back from a deployment while you're still in – There's a huge reception. We were lucky to have the complete opposite of the Vietnam veterans return. We had the red carpet rolled out. We came back as heroes. Everyone kissed our feet, gave us whatever we want, loved us, and that put us on cloud nine. Um, When you transition out of the military, especially coming from a combat MOS, you go from the biggest tallest person on the totem pole to the great equalizer, which is the civilian world. And in the civilian world, nobody cares that you went over and did all this really cool stuff. And you have two deployments or four deployments or six deployments. All they care about is that you have the qualifications for the current job that you're looking for. And then your stories become anecdotal and you know, you get the, hey, you know, we appreciate your support. And there's a lot of amazing, genuinely people out there who care and actually cared what you did. But at the same time, you're also looked upon by our our government as an issue that has to be filed, numbered and dealt with for the rest of your life. That's going to cost taxpayers money that is in a system that isn't designed to fast line or help you or get you medical attention that you need for the rest of your life. So on one hand, publicly, you feel like, okay, like I'm back in the civilian world and people still kind of, you know, they'll listen to my stories. But on the other hand, you're dealing with a government who would rather, and this is a actual true story, would rather hold a meeting while you're having a panic attack at the VA than admit you. And have somebody medically check you out.
0: Yeah, it's uh, well. We won't get into it any further. I think that's that's good. It's great to hear that uh, CBD has eliminated all of your medications. All of them. All of your medications. Do I have that right? Absolutely, all of them. Yeah. So you're off all of your medic prescription medications, and uh, you're you're healthy, and uh, you're much wiser than you were five years ago.
1: Yeah, I would definitely say I'm much wiser than I was five years ago.
0: Anything you want to say in conclusion, Matthew?
1: Yeah, if I could, I really appreciate the opportunity um, being able to share my story with you guys and whoever's listening, and I encourage anybody out there who is a veteran, and not just a veteran of the armed forces, but a veteran of any type of uh, organization or entity which puts stressors on you like EMS, firefighters, policemen, airline pilots. I mean, there's a whole host of people out there who experience things that can be alleviated with cannabis to do some research and look into it because you can still be an upstanding member of society Still be a lawyer, doctor, whatever you're doing in your profession, and utilize cannabis and get off these medications and heal your body, and potentially, you know, improve your quality of life throughout the day. Matthew, did you want to give your uh, one of those websites a plug that you you Uh, sent to us? Uh, Yeah, so that's a whole other discussion on all that stuff. But what I will plug is the realm of caring. So therock.us, ROC.us, therock.us. And the reason why I plug them is because I care more about people getting the correct information than the other stuff that we got going on. And I want people to truly look into this nonprofit organization and see that it's being backed by John Hopkins University, which – isn't some little medical program this is a monster medical research um, university and that they really care about patients and cannabis and they have dosing guidelines as well as the world's largest cannabinoid research library so you don't have to take my word for this you can go look up all the facts yourself and see that cannabis can improve the quality of life in whatever issue you're dealing with
0: yeah very well put Thank you, Matthew, so much. Matthew, it was great to meet you and great to talk to you. Thanks for sharing your story. Thank you all for having me. And that's another edition of Cannabis Health Radio. Wherever you are in the world, thanks very much for listening. You've been listening to the Cannabis Health Radio podcast. Visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. For listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows.
1: Tune into a major journey podcast today, where guests take
0: listeners on journeys and immerse themselves in the roller coaster ride both in and out of the cannabis space that brought them to where they are today. Throughout our conversations, guests share valuable lessons that they've learned along the way that listeners can use to empower growth both in their personal and professional lives. Check out a major journey today on all major podcast platforms.